Welcome to another Madden Monday podcast. Tim Benz with you here on Trib Live, along with Mark Madden from 105.9 The X. And of course, you can read him four times a week here at the Trib as well. We are getting closer and closer to the NHL playoffs. The Penguins getting closer and closer to putting themselves in position to make it again for a 17th consecutive season. They took a step in that regard on Sunday afternoon against the New York Rangers, gaining a point on the Rangers in the race for third, cushioning themselves in front of the Islanders in the 7th-8th battle. Mark, you were there. You were in the stands, actually, as a member of the paying public, and I understand you're unbeaten in that capacity. I, I was a paying customer both uh, today and yesterday. I'm 2-0 and as a paying customer. Now, between you and me, I didn't pay, but I was in the stands, so that that – I like to think that counts for something. So, yeah, I uh, I thought today's win against the Rangers, and we're taping this on the Sunday, I thought they played really hard and uh, really determined, and I thought they responded well to, you know, Truba with his typical high hit, and then Trocek, who I thought elbowed Evgeny Malkin in the head. Uh, so I was impressed with the win. I thought Tristan Jari's workload was minimal, and I think the best bet the Penguins have the rest of the way including in the playoffs, is to make Tristan Jari's workload minimal. In fact, he's played so bad lately, and I think he's playing hurt as well, Tim, that I've wondered who the better goalie is right now, although I think you have to go with Jari just because he has a lot more talent than Casey DeSmith. But DeSmith, after allowing that real bad goal to uh, open uh, and close, for that matter, Philadelphia scoring on Saturday, played real well after that, made that great paddle save in. Boy, that was battled, a great save, yeah. Yeah, battled back. Just a, just a five-star save. But uh, they needed to beat the Rangers in regulation today. Uh, they couldn't give them the loser point if they were to nurse their, uh, admittedly, long-shot hopes of catching them. But uh, they do play the Rangers Thursday and Sunday at Madison Square Garden. I'll be at those games, too, by the way, Tim. Not as a paying customer, but but, but by way of freeloading in the press box. So, um, so whatever chance they had to catch the Rangers, it was slim to begin with. But they needed to win in regulation today, and they did not. That said, it's still a good win. Mark Madden with us. Mark, you mentioned the Evgeny Malkin hit that he absorbed from Trocek. I thought it was appropriate. It was karma that it was Malkin who drew the penalty in overtime that allowed for the power play goal from Latang. I was really put off by the officials letting that one slide. You also brought up the Truba hit on Nylander. You said it was high. I felt it was more late than high. That's what bothered me more. I thought it was a little late and a little high. And uh, the fact that neither was called. Uh, just, you know, but that's the way referees are. I mean, they just, it is so random. It is so haphazard the way they referee these games. And it's never been any different. I don't think it ever will be. Tim, can you name an era? of the NHL, because you've been watching a long time, just like me. Can you name a time when the refereeing was was considered very good and consistent also? No, I can't think of that in any sport, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, well, so there you go. Uh, I thought the Trocek hit on Malkin was kind of ironic, because even though Gino had a, had a pretty decent game and a pretty decent season, it goes to show that if they not signed Malkin and signed Trocek, even though Trocek has, I think, 20 less points, what a different kind of energy he would have brought to the Penguins. And I'm not saying I would trade Gino for Trocek right now. I am saying I'd like a little time to think about it, please. Um, so uh, the way uh, they responded, like I said, they didn't initiate it, but they didn't shy from it, and they did respond to it. So I think that was a good thing. Um, uh, the power play in overtime, I mean, Tanger just got all of it. 
Um, I thought the Penguins, after the first Rangers goal, you know, which was scored right in front, when Jari was too deep in the net, didn't have a stick busy, but more than anything, the defense was just letting him stand right, those guys stand right in the blue paint. I thought they played better in front of the net after that. I thought they blocked a lot of shots. There was a lot to really like about the way the Penguins played today, but they needed to win, again, to reiterate, they needed to win in regulation. I feel like maybe it's because the NHL was trying to justify not having Truba suspended for his hits that now he gets away with everything. There's become this narrative, Mark, that he walks right on the line and he does it better than anybody else. So now he never gets called for anything. Um, I think you're reading a little too much into it, Tim. I just don't think they like to call stuff. So you think in general that, on anybody, this is just endemic of who they are as an officiating core. That is what you're saying. Exactly who they are and exactly what the league is. The league will always want toughness to equate to skill for each to be equally important. And this is one way it's manifested, correct? Do you think he gets away with stuff that, like, even Wilson doesn't get away with? It's a good question. Do you? I do, yeah. I I think Wilson is more of a reputation that would lead him to get penalties after the hits are applied. Whereas, like I said, I think Truba, it's just been talked into existence that he's, he's got a time perfectly all the time. I think that's probably true. I think that Wilson's probably looked at as a little goony. Yeah. Whereas Trubas looked looked at as that good, hard hockey player they love so much in Canada. Mark, you brought up the overtime wins. Um, They've done better at that for a while. It looked like they were never going to win overtime. They've gotten some breaks in the sense that they've earned some penalties that had to be called that allowed them to win four on three. Aside from the penalty factor, is there anything else you think they've done better to start turning things around in OT? They sure didn't against the Islanders, did they? No, that's true, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that they just don't know how to play in overtime. In particular, Malkin. I think Malkin thinks overtime is stupid, and he's right. Three-on-three overtime has become nothing like it was when they first started doing it. The coaching, the tactics, the doubling back has absolutely ruined it. And uh, I just don't think the Penguins have much caught on to it. I think Sid has, I think Latang has, I think that's about it. How do you think this sets the stage for those two games in MSG that you mentioned? Well, I, I think it certainly sets the stage for me going on at least two occasions to the justifiably famous New York Suprema Pizza just <laughs> across the street from MSG. Uh, I mean, they still mean something because you need points, but do I think they can catch the Rangers? I think to even have the slightest chance, they needed to win a regulation today. The Rangers are better than the Penguins. I mean, let's not sit here and pretend they're not. They are. That doesn't mean it's impossible for the Penguins to catch him. It doesn't mean the Penguins weren't worthy winners today. But the Rangers, I mean, my God, look at that team now that it's constructed, how deep it is. They're just a better team. You got a favorite steakhouse in New York? Keens. Have you ever been to Sparks or no? I heard they shoot people there. <laughs> no, my, my, I've been to Keens and I've been to Old Homestead, which are two famous New York steakhouse landmarks. Uh-huh. Uh, but my, I prefer Keys because you can walk there from the garden. And I stay right next to the garden. I'm staying in Times Square. I'm going to the garden the week after for the Elite Eight. And it's going to be my first time in New York in a while. I'm a little rusty with some of my spots to hit in New York. Yeah, Keens is really good. Um, I, I Like I said, I like New York Suprema Pizza, which is by the slice. Mm-hmm. Only New York knows how to do pizza by the slice correctly. Is MSG your favorite place to go now for a road Penguins game? 
Yes, although I really like the forum. But that's a long time ago. How about the new, like the Bell Center? How, how's that? Have you been up there? I love the hot dogs. Yes, I have. Oh, the Shen Shodes, right? Yeah, the Bell Center hot dogs. They're the best hot dogs anywhere except for maybe Eddie's and Conneaut Lake. Um, I like Chicago Stadium, too. I liked Maple Leaf Gardens. I liked all the old rinks. I never got to the Boston Garden, though, hard to believe. And I never got to Detroit's Olympia. Because if you'll recall, Tim, I think the Olympia closed on in the mid-70s, late-70s when I was still in high school mm-hmm. and gave way to Joe Lewis. The, the Olympia was the first of the original six um, rinks to go. What did you think of the game overall against the Flyers? We mentioned to Smith. How about aside from that? I thought the Flyers made a fist of it. I thought they played surprisingly you know, well. Uh, I don't think they were ever in danger of winning because they just don't have the skill. Then again, I didn't think the Penguins had the skill to beat the Rangers, so go figure. But yeah, I, I thought I thought the Smith played good after the really horrific first goal, and uh, in both the in both the Flyers game on Saturday and the Rangers game on Sunday, both wins, the Penguins didn't buckle when it got tight. And to be honest, Tim, this year sometimes they have, right? They have, yes, quite a bit. That third period stuff against the Islanders. Thank God they're just not going to see them again. Oh yeah, that was horrific. But uh, but 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 you know the Rangers came back and scored that goal to tie it in the third. But I don't think the Rangers necessarily played the Penguins off the rink in the third. I thought they were the better team in the third, but that's that's not the same as the Penguins. Like I said, they didn't buckle. Of course, they only got the game tire because of the play that you and I both think should have been a penalty in the first place. That said, I'm not outraged that it wasn't. I mean, like you know you know bat stuff crazy, but it should have been a penalty. Mark, I've seen a lot on Twitter since Selection Sunday's brackets were revealed uh, from Pitt fans that are it's sort of equal parts. Boy, thank God we're in, and we got screwed. We shouldn't be playing in date. They, they didn't get screwed, okay? Not, and I would not have been outraged that they'd gone right to the main tournament, you know, the, the 64-team tournament. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but they are in the play-in game because they screwed the pooch in their final. What, they lost three out of four, right? Correct. They lost to uh, Notre Dame-Miami. They beat Georgia Tech, and then they got smoked by Duke in the ACC. Well, and those were bad teams to lose to in the way they lost them because Notre Dame stinks, right? Exactly. And, and, and Pitt lost to them. Uh, Miami was a team, you know, they were battling them for the top of the ACC, and they lost to them, and then Duke destroyed them. And, like, as soon as Duke destroyed them, I said, okay, they're not getting in the main draw. They're going to have to win a play-in. Because don't forget, Tim, with the play-ins, correct me if I'm wrong, you're more uh, tuned into the NCAAs than I am. But in in, in the play-in games, they generally use that to match teams that are big conference teams but very marginal. So you get, like, kind of name teams in those play-in games. Not that they have trouble getting people to show up or people to turn on the TV, but they sound kind of sexy. Like, Pitt and Mississippi State, I mean, those are two pretty good teams. That sounds like a decent game, just even if you don't know what they got. Exactly, and the other half is Arizona State and Nevada, Arizona especially coming on strong late. And So it, so that is what they do then, kind of. That is what they do, but, they, you know, they also have the 16-seed teams two per day as well. Like, they'll play the two 16s to get in. I forget which ones they're going to get. Well, right, but they got each day with passes for a marquee game. Yeah, in fact, I'd, I'd almost prefer, Mark, that they make Dayton all the big teams and just let the little teams who win their conference tournament, you know, hey, you've, you've got your moment of the sun, you won the tournament, now go out there and get beaten by the, 16, by the number one seed as a 16. And, you know, get more eyeballs on the games in Dayton. Get more big-name teams in Dayton. Make all the 11 lines wide open 
and make all four of them play their way on. I think it's more interesting basketball for Tuesday and Wednesday. But it does show a certain flaw, a certain intentional flaw in the system, Tim. When you have, you know, 16 seeds going right to the tournament and two 11 seeds playing off to get in. Because those 11 seeds are both better than the 16 seed that gets right in. Yes, yes. The theory should be all... Well, actually, Mike DeCourcy made a great point about this. When they expand the tournament, this is what they're going to do. They're going to have all the 16s play each other to get on the 16 line, and they'll have all the 11s play each other. They'll just leave those two lines open, and that'll be their way to inch towards a 90-16 tournament someday. Yeah, and they can do whatever they want. I, I The more teams, the less I pay attention. I think that's what eventually they'll find out as well, because... I like the tournament the way it is. I think it's perfectly portioned, and one bite more might make me feel sick. Well, and the other thing that, that I have to kind of scoff at is, and it's not this is new, but they have 68 teams in the women's tournament too, right? Yes. It has to be the same. Why does it have to be exactly the same? Why do they have to have a selection show on TV, which I'm sure nobody watched? Why do we have to create this false equality? Because it's not equal. Because of Title Nine. Oh, that has nothing to do with what you put on TV or how many teams get that opportunity. Uh, they'd argue well, I guess technically it could. I guess technically it could. I guess if you have 68 men's teams, you have to have 68 women's teams, but it's still stupid. Because the word opportunity is in Title IX. Yeah, I mean, the ratings for the women's tournament are crap. Yeah, I, I, I've watched on the rare occasions where I know somebody playing, like, you know, if there's a Bulger or a McConnell or something like that, other than that, yet. Mark, about the Steelers, by the time we speak next, free agency will be underway. In fact, the legal tampering period starts on Monday. What do you think? Which, this- by the way, by the way, is ridiculous. Because <laughs> if you can talk to these guys Monday, that's when free agency starts. Yeah, so I, I, that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Do you think Cam Sutton will stay? Do you think Terrell Edmonds will stay? I wouldn't overpay for either. How about you? I wouldn't. I'd pay a little bit more for Sutton than I would for Edmonds. But I- yes. Because they, they're probably going to keep KZ, right? If they keep KZ, they don't necessarily need Edmonds as much. I like I liked the Troika, you know, all three safeties, but I'm not sure that's a necessity. They will have a dearth of cornerbacks if Sutton leaves. And if Sutton leaves, I think that pushes them more and more and more to just draft a corner at all ends. And we saw what happened the last time they did that. It was Artie Burns. Peasy's kid. They're going to draft Peasy's kid. Yeah, unless Peasy's kid goes too high. Well, Tim, then the only answer there is trade up to get Peasy's kid. <laughs> now, <laughs> how much does Sutton want? I've heard like $9 million a year. Does that sound right? Um, I saw the projections at, I, I thought it was like 7.2 is what he should be getting. I've heard he wants in the high eights to low nines. Yeah, I ain't giving him that. He's a nickel. I mean, no matter what he might be within the context of what the Steelers have, this very second, key phrase there, right? This very second, a cornerback, uh, he's a nickel. On a good team, he's a nickel. If the Steelers get the defensive backfield they want, whether today, tomorrow, next year, or whenever, he's a nickel. And I don't pay – I mean, like, I know they have some remorse about letting Mike Hilton go and the great job he's done with Cincinnati. That's with Cincinnati. Okay, Cam Sutton – don't play for Cincinnati. He plays for Pittsburgh, and he's a nickel on a good team. On the Steelers, maybe is their best corner. I still don't overpay for him. There's lots of good inside linebackers available in free agency. Not so many in the draft. Is that where they spend, do you think? I think they should. An inside backer? Yeah. Um, put it this way. I think it's always been easier to get an inside backer in free agency that's good than to, I hate to use the term waste that pick, because if you get a good player, 
you're never wasting it. But you see what I'm saying? I just think you can fill the need at inside backer easiest in free agency and more immediately. And their inside linebackers last year were awful and a big reason their defense wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a terrible defense, but it should have been better and can be. I mean, if, if I could get, I don't know who the rough equivalency would be, Tim, at inside backer to Cam Sutton. I'd rather have that guy than Cam Sutton. T.J. Edwards. That's who it is. T.J. Edwards from Philadelphia. If the Eagles don't bring him back, then that's a guy I would look at. And he's not as big of a name as some of the other inside backers that are out there. I I think that's the kind of guy that the Steelers want to get. He's young. He can cover. uh, That's who I would want. Well, there you go, Tim. Count me in. I have no idea who that is, but but I'm game. You know, like Wagner's going to get a ton of money. Levante Dave is going to get a ton ton of money. Edmonds' brother is going to get a ton of money. The Steelers aren't going to spend for that. Um, this is this sort of feels to me like he's well, probably... this guy started for the Eagles, right? Yeah, he did. He did. Well, then I I think that how about uh, Javon Hargrave supposed to get twenty million a year? He is the best, according to a lot of people that I've read, the best non-franchised free agent out there. And if he gets that more power to him, good player, seemed like a nice guy when he was here. It shows the folly of what these guys get paid, though. Now, as I've been saying on my show, within the context of the revenue stream football gets. Maybe that translates to his fair share. I just can't imagine that, though. Mark, at this time next year, we'll be, will we be talking about what Cocaine Bear did at the Oscars. Now, we're speaking right now, and the Oscars are not over yet. They're going on as we are taping. Next year, it's Cocaine Bear's time, right? I didn't know the Oscars were tonight. Are they really? <laughs> They're going on as we speak. Well, who's supposed to win? Like, I don't even know who's nominated. How can I not know this? Brendan Fraser is supposed to win for the whale. Oh, okay. Well, that's why I don't know, because I don't want to know. You want a fat guy? Get a fat guy to play a fat guy. That's fair to fat guys. He ain't no fat guy. I watched I watched a couple. The only Oscar-nominated movies I saw were Banshees of Inisherin and Top Gun. That was it. Ban- okay, so Banshees, Banshees of Inisherin was like the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life that, that didn't involve the pirates. Tim, having heard you say that, I have a slim feeling that that I didn't see any of the movies. You didn't see Top Gun either, huh? No, no. I just think that's too... I mean, I didn't see the original Top Gun. I just... I'm very picky with movies now. and I, But I watch ones I like, like, over and over again. Now, uh, remember Bill Murray? You might be too young to remember this, which is scary. Remember when Bill Murray was the movie critic on uh, on Saturday Night Live for the news for the news segment? Yeah, I do actually. I had forgotten that, but now it, and then it became David Spade. Yeah, but but Bill Murray, like for Oscars, he would say movie A didn't see it, movie B didn't see it, movie C saw fifteen minutes of it, movie D didn't see it, movie E saw it. Based on what I have seen, it, just, it was like, and it was, you know, his delivery made it right, so it was great. So uh, I don't know who should win. Don't care. Mark Madden, full Oscars review from him tomorrow, 3 until 6 on 105.9 The X. Well, sure, now that I know. (laughs) Check us out on Madden Ben's Unfiltered as well, 9.30 on the Facebook live stream at Trib Live.